Welcome to Evidence-Based Aesthetics, where science meets clinical skincare. Today's clinicians are bombarded with sales tactics and marketing hype aimed at selling a cosmetic product, device, or service, often with little to no scientific research to back it up. Master Aesthetician Instructor Kristen Group and Dr. Larry Group use peer-reviewed research to investigate and discuss the latest trends, equipment, procedures, and products in medical aesthetics, while poking fun at extravagant claims, as well as each other. Evidence-Based Aesthetics is produced monthly and supplemented by a Facebook group and Instagram. Viewers and listeners are actively encouraged to submit questions and topics for discussion. And now your hosts, Kristen and Dr. Larry Group. Okay, we're back from break. Um, so are we ready to buy? No. <laughs> Do not buy yet. First thing we're gonna figure out is what is the going rate per treatment? What do I mean by that? How do we how do we figure out? Let's say you want to do, uh, let's pick microneedling. Uh, how would you figure out what the going rate in your area is? It's super easy. It's a, kind of a pain in the rear end, but it's super easy. You have to shop other practices. Okay. So basically, you need to go on other practices' websites. A lot of them have their pricing on the websites. Okay. You can also call up and pretend you want to get a treatment. I mean, it's, it's pretty much known. I mean, I know when somebody's shopping me. Um, what their prices are, but you need to see what the going rate is because every part of the country and every part of the state within the communities in the state are possibly going to have a different variation. So you don't want to be, I always say, I never am the bottom, I'm never the top. I'm somewhere closer to the top or in the middle of the top half of, of the treatments. You mean um, pricing? Yeah. So do you think there's a, a correlation between licensure and what you can charge? Well, of course. Okay, so. If you're a doctor, you're going to probably charge more than an esthetician or a laser tech. Doesn't it come down to sort of what care, skill, and judgment? The more education and training you have, the more that you can actually charge. I would also say that if you had a lot more experience, you can probably charge more because you can be pickier. Yeah, I could charge more if I wanted, but I choose to keep my prices a little bit more moderate. Just out of everything that I do, that's my candy. So what what do you think? I mean, you charge. What do you charge for just microneedling without anything else? Three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars for the treatment face. for the face. Okay. Yes. What do you think uh, the going rate in this area, Scottsdale, is for, let's say, you're a plastic surgeon doing this? Uh, I don't know of any plastic surgeons that are doing They have somebody like Well, yeah, but in their this. office, let's say. In their office, it's usually going to be, it could be 300 to 450 450 okay. That's the high. And then, like, let's say you're just starting out. Should they discount their... No. Okay, so what should they do then? You increase the value of the treatment. And what I mean by that is when I first rolled it out in my spa... Um, I told my clients that they could get their face for 300 and then they could pick a bonus area, their neck or their decollete, that would be rolled into it for free. That area normally would cost them $150. Okay. So it basically, I used the same cartridge, a little bit of my time and a little bit more serum. They got a better value, but when that special went away, I maintained my price point. So you made the special go away at some point. I made the, then, yeah, I made the so special So you basically stopped away. doing that area for free? Yes. Okay. Got it. So it would make sense then that the more expensive the machine is, the more money you get for the treatment, right? No, it doesn't happen that way anymore. Okay. So let's talk about why that really isn't the case. Well, so I consider it hair reduction and I did three cases of hair reduction today. Um, hair reduction is kind of what we call the gateway drug. Okay. Okay. Into lasers because it is the most popular procedure done because a lot of people have hair they want to get a rid lot of, of people have hair and it, it makes it convenient blah 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 and it's been shown to be pretty effective it is effective and it's been it's been done longer than all the other procedures got it um so that is the number one procedure still done with lasers but it has almost been bastardized by things like groupon um and i can't remember what the other one that used to 
compete with Groupon and then it went away? Living, so, living, living Social. Living Social. Then they got yeah. bought by Groupon or something. Oh, they did? I'm pretty okay. sure. Yeah. I anyway, I, it's all consolidated. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you go on, you'll see like five treatments for $75. Yeah. And, and truly, when I first started working with lasers, my pricing for a Brazilian um, laser treatment was, I think, three twenty-five. I now charge one twenty-five. And so if they're from Brazil, they pay more. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I mean, my pricing has gone down. Now, the nice thing about me working is, one, I use different equipment with larger spot size so I can get faster through my treatment so right. it doesn't take me as long as it did in 2003. Um, but the market price has been driven down by these social media and companies. the fact that there's a lot the of there's a lot of people doing, doing hair it. reduction but it's still valuable because people still want it and again it gets people into your office so if you think you're just buying hair reduction and that's where you're going to make your money you're either going to have to be super fast so you can do, build build volume in or you're going to use it as a loss leader to then get them to do into other things like photofacials or tattoo removal or fractional or microneedling or something like that. So you're basically, because it's the number, still the number one procedure and even the prices have been depressed, you still want to offer something or consider offering something like this because it's so popular mm -hmm. that at least you'll have some patience, but you're not going to make a ton of money per procedure. No. But when you're talking about ROI for a machine, uh, how much do you mean a, a basic laser hair removal machine, hair reduction machine? It, they can go anywhere from 80,000, 75, 75 to 80,000 up to 180,000. And what's the average procedure cost? <laughs> it's sad. Uh, it's like underarms, I charge 75 bucks. I used to charge 200. So you would have to do quite a few underarms just to make your money back on that yes. laser. But yes. if you didn't have that hair removal laser, you just wouldn't have enough patients to sell other things to. Right. I mean, all of my patients that started with hair reduction have now moved on to other procedures within my spa. So, so. it's almost like the it's almost like the cost of customer or patient acquisition, almost like almost like a marketing charge in your head. But you still can get literally, no pun intended, you can still get burned buying the wrong hair reduction Absolutely. laser. Absolutely. And when you look at, I mean, doing treatments, I mean, how I still maintain um, a good revenue per hour in my room is I add in extra areas. So I can do extra areas, increase the amount of money that I'm making. Um, and since I've got a faster machine and a bigger spot size, I can get through those areas that it took me an older machine with a smaller spot size to do. Got it. Now, real quickly, since hair reduction is so popular, let's just spend a little bit of time talking about the technology again. Now, we talked earlier, patient demographics drive this. There are certain machines that are better for certain skin types. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the 1064 works for everyone, but um, it's far more painful. And it may not be as fast as, let's say, the diode. So let's say that in your patient demographics, you have mostly skin types two to four, okay. somewhere in the middle. What do you think the, what the best device to do if you're going to do a lot of hair reduction? I like a diode or an IPL. Okay. So the diode, that's all it does is, is hair reduction, right? Unless you change the handpiece to do something else. Okay. There's one manufacturer out there that was trying to get people to use the diode for leg veins, which is a very bad idea. There spot size is too big? The spot size is too big. They had to turn off the cooling system. It was just a, it was a bad idea. Okay. So you, diodes, hair reduction. Yes. 810, 820, something Eight, like no, that. No, 800, 808, 810. Got it. Th that's what you want to use for if you're going to do a lot of 
Well, it has the, the in-motion and all the things that you can do well, really fast, The reason right? that the, the A10 diode works great is, one, you can do skin types 1 through 4 and very cautious on a 5. I myself would not use it on a 6, even if it's FDA approved or cleared for a 6. Okay. Um, but the depth that the wavelength of light is going into the skin pretty much hits right where that hair bulbin bulges, which is the highest concentration in melanin okay. in the hair follicle. We're basically using that that melanin in the hair follicle to absorb the light to create enough heat to damage the stem cells in that hair follicle to tell the body to not produce a hair out of it again. Got it. So because of the depth, like a 1064 um, goes far, deeper. Far deeper, yeah. So where the diode hits is pretty much its sweet spot in the hair follicle to get better efficacy. Can you get a pretty big spot, relatively bigger spot size with a diode? You can. I mean, they're usually like one uh, centimeter, two centimeters, but when you can use it in motion, so you're going in motion, you're going to cover a lot more area faster. It doesn't matter that much than if you're using it in motion, whether you have a one or a two. No. Now you have a, a device that you sell. It's what Medi, Medi diode, right? Yes. And that has, my understanding, that, that has a one centimeter, but it's getting a two centimeter yes. as an option, right? Yes. And that device is cleared to yes. do... Hair reduction, hair reduction for skin types one through five. five. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, let's now. You said you mentioned IPL. Now that's different. That's not a laser. That's intense pulse light. Yes. So, what's the difference between making a decision of whether you'd want a, an IPL or a diode? First of all, let's talk about the cost of an IPL. Well, it's gonna. It's it, if you're going to be getting. A, if you're getting an IPL for hair reduction, it usually has another handpiece on it for a photofacial. So that's the big piece is if you're thinking about doing uh, photofacials, that IPL device also with a different handpiece, in some cases the same handpiece or never? It would be different filters. It might be the same handpiece, but you got a different filter. Okay. Going into so it. making some change to the handpiece, then you can do photofacials yes. as well. Yes. Um, how efficacy wise, diode versus IPL for hair reduction? But you know what's interesting is back when I started, all the laser manufacturers were saying IPL doesn't work for hair reduction, and then IPL manufacturers say yes it does. The truth is both of them do. I use both of them in my office. You both? What do you mean both both lasers and IPL? Yes. Okay. For hair reduction, and they both work well. Now I will think that a diode is sometimes a little bit more effective. Okay. But if you want to do photofacials, now you need to buy another device. Okay. So for me, the IPL that I have do both photofacials and hair reduction. Okay. Now there's other types of uh, hair. There's a ruby. Is it? No, that's not a ruby. Um, that was the first wavelength that was used for hair reduction. It burned everybody with skin type 2. Alexandra, so I think. So the 755. So tell me about that. that that's an older technology. <clears throat> not necessarily. Um, it is more attractive. So the three, if you're talking about a true laser, you've got three wavelengths of light that are being used, or actually three different types. You've got an alexandrite, which is a 755, otherwise known as an alex. Then you've got a diode, and it could be 800, 808, I think there's 803 out there, or 810, and then you've got the 1064 in the Okay. Okay. So the alex is really attracted to melanin, so basically skin types one through three, cautious on a four, I would not use it on a five or a six. And the diodes one through four, cautious on the five, I wouldn't use it on a six. And then the NDAG one through six, but on the one, two, and three, it's going to hurt like heck because you have to increase the fluent so much to get the absorption because it doesn't see melanin that well, okay. which makes it the perfect laser for a darker skin type. So if you were really doing a lot of hair reduction and you had people with multiple skin types ranging from one to six, you might have to have two different devices. 
that is a possibility. Or you'd have some lasers out there have a 755 and a 1064 on it, or an 810 and a 1064 on it. But oh, okay, so it's several. You'd have to have two different wavelengths, is yes. what we're saying. Okay. Is there a way to take an IPL and use it on all six skin types for hair reduction? Is there such you know, a way? You can use it in motion. Okay. But you still have to be very cautious on a darker skin type. Spot size and efficacy. Or is it which one's faster? The IPL diode, 1064. It depends on the platform. It, well, it depends on the platform. I mean, with an uh, IPL, you're going to get a bigger spot size. Okay. Um, but a lot of those can't be used in motion. Got it. So the in motion is probably the fastest thing going. The in motion is the fastest. And that tends to be the diode, right? Um, yes, I haven't seen a 1064 in motion or a 755, so yes. Okay, perfect. <clears throat> okay, so getting back to what's the going rate. We, we've, we've kind of talked a lot about hair reduction. I wanted to spend some time on that because it is the most popular thing going on there. And and, and what we're saying is is by even if, you're, if it's not your favorite thing to do, it's a great way to get patients in so you can do other things. Yes. Okay. Um, Real self, we did, we mentioned that before, but is that a, does that tend that tends to show the pricing that the people paid on real self, if I remember right? Yeah, there's a there's a what that what did you pay for it? The going rate for mm -hmm. that, so that that's another resource to get a sense of hey, what you know what what's being charged yeah, for a just particular know, procedure. I mean, everything on the east coast and the west coast is going to be more expensive than in the middle. So, I mean, the amount that they give for Botox, I mean, everything, whether it's a treatment or Botox. One of my girlfriends actually flies here; she has a second home here flies here, it's cheaper to get the plane ticket and get her um, neurotoxin here than it is in um, New Jersey. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Um, they have a very powerful union in New Jersey, just so you know. <laughs> the only doctors can do almost only anything there. Yeah, that's interesting how that works. Let's talk a little bit about saturation and competition. I like to say you can either soar with the eagles or you can scavenge with the pigeons. Um, hair reduction. Obviously, there's a lot of competition. Um, there's, as you mentioned earlier, there's chains that do nothing but that. Mm -hmm. um, then there's people like you who have so much experience, but it's not like you can charge that much more for hair reduction no. than they are. Um, so um, when making a decision about whether or not you're going to do this or not, what things is it, how, how are there ways that you can justify or, or market so that you can charge more? Um, well, it's one of my favorite things to say, and it's... It's kind of like a smart-ass thing to say. It's people always ask me, um, and I only work on referrals, so, but they'll ask me, like, do you have a Groupon coming out soon? And I'll say, you know, my last name is Group. I'm Group Off. Um, I don't do Groupons. I don't discount. I charge a fair fee for my skill, care, and judgment. Um, I've been doing this a very long time, and I've had people work me on my price. And I say, they're like, what well, I can get six of these procedures done for $99, and you're telling me one is 250 and it's like, okay, I'm not saying anything bad about Groupon. I use Groupon. I used it for a yoga class. I've used it for a restaurant, trying a new restaurant. I've used it for parking at the airport. Yep. I'm not using it for something on my body and skin. Because it requires people that have care, skill, and judgment. It's not always about what's the cheapest, right? No, and, and I mean, for me, I mean, even having one of my clients came in and they have to fill out three questions before we can do a treatment on it. One is, one was the last time we had sun exposure. You know, have you had any recent sun exposure? No. Have you had any change in your medical history or medications? No. Have you had any Botox or fillers? No. So as we start to talk, all of a sudden she's like starts talking about her vacation that she just got back from four days ago that was a cruise for a week. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so let's talk about this because I can't do anything on you now because even though you've signed my piece of paper 
saying that you haven't had any recent sun exposure. You've now told me about your vacation and the fact that you were in the sun a week ago means the chance of burning you is going to go up. Let's reschedule for another couple of weeks until I know that you're not going to have any interference from the sun exposure that you had. So that's the care, skill, and judgment yes. part. That So, you know, one of the ways to consider it is to think about the way that the patient comes into the practice. A lot of these chains and a lot of places, the way that med spas are run, which we're later going to talk about to not do this, is patients self-select. You run an ad or you put on your website, we do hair, hair removal or hair reduction. They call up and say, I would like to come in for the hair reduction. They come in, the, the, the receptionist says, oh, hi. And they say, I'm here for their hair reduction. They hand them paperwork and forms and they fill them out real quick and they, they escort them very quickly back. They sit down and the tech looks at them and says, ask them one or two questions. And then let's begin your hair reduction. Never met the patient before in your life. What's the problem with that? Um, you haven't, you haven't asked enough information about whether you should even be doing this at this time or what, you know, what is the patient expecting when, when people don't know how these machines work, I don't, I don't look at any of my patients. I consider um, that none of them are informed of what I'm doing. It's not their job to be informed. It's my job to be informed on what I'm doing. And one of the big things that I teach all of my students, there's two things. One, don't take somebody's problem, and make it yours. Okay. And what do I mean by that? Well, you've got a patient who's tired of waxing their eyebrows. They don't want to tweeze. They don't want to wax. They don't want to thread. They don't want to sugar. They don't want to do anything. They want you to laser. The problem with that is the chance of blinding them or causing ocular damage is super, super high. And it's something that you will never recover from. So their problem is they don't want to wax your eyebrows. They want you to laser them. Now you laser their eyebrows, you blind them. It's now your problem. And you've, so, you've actually worked on cases where people have been blinded. Yes. Yep. I've had three cases, two are with an IPL device. One was um, a laser that the doctor actually blinded himself with his own laser and then tried to sue the laser manufacturer. I just want to sing blinded by the light right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Pretty much. He was blinded by a KTP, which is a 532. Um, You're down with KTP. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my know God. Me. Yes, I have to live with this. Yes. Oh. Day um, long. You know what I, I think it's interesting. We talk about self-selecting patients who come in. Um, they always think that they, they they think that they know what they want because they saw it on TV or in a magazine. Or my favorite now is an influencer told them that they need to have this procedure done. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kardashian got it done, so therefore I should get it done. And now, hair reduction is one of those things that they either need hair off or they don't. But if we start, to, if we flip that to say something like photo facial and they have melasma or let's say that's something they want to do like skin tightening and they have other issues and things like that uh cool sculpting mm -hmm. yet they have hanging skin so there's there's issues that that yeah we come in for hair reduction maybe that's not a great example because there's only you either can take the hair away or you don't or you don't but when, it, when it's something like let's say they don't like uh sun damage there's multiple treatments mul multiple modalities not just ipl by just self-selecting i'm here for the I, i'm here for the photo facial and maybe it's not the appropriate treatment for them. Maybe they actually have melasma or something like that. The IPL is actually going to make it worse. Yes. So when you're going into, to, I like to use a Sophie's Choice with, with patients back when I was practicing. I'd say, you can come to me. I know I charge this much. I'm not sure how much the other people charge, but I've had this much schooling. I have four or five of, of these types of devices that I can use that de depending on what skin type or what, what, what thing you need done. Um, and I actually have the time to sit and talk to you about what you need done, or you could, um, you know, go to someplace else. So you have two kids 
One kid's got to go to one and one kid's got to go to the other. Which child do you send to the chain where the person probably has six months of experience, has one laser type, and they got about 10 minutes to get your child done? Or they can come to me and pay more. I'll have about an hour with them. I have probably five or six machines and I have years of experience. Which child goes to what? Um, that's actually a fairly effective thing to say to a patient because if you have spent the time getting training, Buying expensive equipment, so you have, like we're saying, you have a diode and you have an IPL, or you have multiple different ways to treat uh, melasma. You're able to charge more, and you should charge more, and you should get more because you've done all those things. You've trained yourself, you've educated yourself, you've bought the equipment, you've, you have experience, and you take the time with patients as opposed to, um, you know, the operation that they run every 15 minutes and, re and people don't even get talked to basically. You get a clipboard in your hand, you sign a paper, and they're very quickly laying in bed to get your treatment, you're kicked back out of there. Yeah, and that's the only problems with some of the chains is truly it's a time limit. Like I think I'm super fast, but some places they give you like 15 minutes to do a Brazilian and that's to get the patient in the room, go through their health information, do the procedure, get them checked out and clean up your room. There's no way that's enough time. I mean, I'm super fast and the minimum I would schedule that for is a half hour. So whatever I say is, you know, don't take somebody else's problem, make it yours. And if you're only in this to get the money, you're going to make a mistake. Like I'm never afraid to turn anybody away. I had to turn one person away this week because since this big long text, she's supposed to come in for a photo facial. And what do I get is, hey, I got a sunburn last Saturday, Friday. Not too bad, but definitely red. And oh, and I use self-tanner on my legs, but I don't think I got it in the bikini area. And what I was going to do is hair reduction or bikini area and a photo facial. And so I'm like, okay, well, the photo facial is completely out because five days post is the worst time you could possibly do one. And are you 100% positive the self-tanner stopped before your bikini line? I'm not positive. Okay, then now I, 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 I can't do anything because... If I was a less experienced or a untrained clinician, I'd probably say, oh, yeah, come in. And I'd burn her in two different areas for two different procedures and have a whole lot of problems. So I'm never afraid to turn somebody down because that, you know, 300, 400, 200, how to pick a number of money that you're going to get once now you have an attorney and an expert witness and everybody else involved. You'll never make that back. I mean, that's not even an hour. Yeah, just the stress of it as well, too. People don't factor in the fact that when, you know, I, I've been in practice long enough that I haven't had things go wrong. And you stress a lot about that. It affects, my, affects me for weeks at a time. I feel bad about it. It shakes your confidence a little bit, even if it's not your fault. No, it's, and you know, and patients lie. I always tell you, it's like, just assume they're all lying about their sun exposure. It's easier to assume that everybody lies than it is to believe everybody. Um, so little things in the room of doing test bus. I mean, I've been doing this for 16 years now. It doesn't matter to the patient how many times I've seen it. If I've seen it a hundred times, I do test bus in the room. I sit and I wait for a couple of minutes to watch them develop and see what happens. There's lots of little tricks that you only get from going to a really well-trained person who also knows how to train. That's going to make sure that you have a, your patient has a better experience and you have a safer operation. The fact that you teach it is also sort of a big deal too. Well, I teach, but you know, it's interesting is I don't have any of my instructors that aren't working in the field currently. That's one of the requirements. If you're going to instruct for me or teach for me, you have to also have a job where you're actually doing these procedures. Got it. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to stay on track with don't buy yet. We're going to figure out one of the last few things, what the last factors are to check off before you buy the equipment. 
Evidence-Based Aesthetics is brought to you by Steratip. Don't use a gloved finger to apply products. With Steratip and Steratip Minis, clinicians can use a soft, sterile applicator. It saves expensive product and eliminates the mess. Check out the revolutionary Steratip at steratip.info or call 480-369-6905 today. Evidence-Based Aesthetics invites you to join Evidence-Based Aesthetics Facebook group. And now, back to the show. Okay, we're back. We talked about saturation competition. Let's just finish that up really quick. So how would you know how many, you know, what, what type of competition you have? Can you just do a Google search and figure out, just hit the map and you'll figure out how many spas are around you? Because if you're determining where to put your spa or what equipment to buy, it would be nice to know who's doing what. Well, yeah, it's so much easier than when I started. Like, I look at my, my daughter when she went to college and she didn't even know where the library was because everything was on the internet. I actually had to live, and you had to live yeah. in the library because there was no such thing. Yeah, we thing went to a cave and decided what the hieroglyphics <laughs> said. Where the no, we were in the Dewey Decimal System. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, I hated that thing. So ha having the internet is hugely easy. It doesn't make sense. It's very easy. Hugely, hugely, hugely. easy. The Huey, Dewey, and Louie system. <laughs> exactly. System. It's so easy to figure out who's around you. I mean, this right. is where and. People who contact me about training, they go, "Well, how do I know?" It's like, you know, I'm not going to do the work for you. Okay, you need to take make an investment of your time into what you want to do. Um, this is not something that I see it on Facebook groups all the time. It is one of my biggest pet peeves. And if I, I can't go on Facebook at night if I'm drinking wine because I'll say something snarky, um, where they go, "Best organic skincare line, ready, set, go," and they want you to do all your research. You have to do your own research. So what you have to do is figure out who's going to be around you. So look at the thing on Google Map and then do a map search around on all the locations that are around there. So let's say there's 50 people around you. Does that mean you just, oh, heck with it. I'm going to go uh, go somewhere else? Or does it necessarily mean because there's 50 practitioners around you that you can't do well? No, because I've got 50 practitioners around me. Exactly. So how do you differentiate yourself? I guess is what our point is. Well, there's, I mean, one thing that I would start doing is I would look and see what other places are offering. Sure. So okay. you want to offer something different? Well, you can offer something different or you can offer the same because, I mean, hair reduction is going to be hair reduction. So if they're, if they're charging 60, you want to charge 55? Is that how you're going to do it? Not necessarily. I would say the opposite. I would, I would go say, a little higher. Yeah. It's, again, it's the whole concept of either soar with the eagle or scavenge with the pigeons. Um, I never cut prices to the point where I was the cheapest person in town. No. I didn't try to be the most expensive person in town, but I needed to make sure that when I that when I did a business plan, I knew how much money our practice was making a day, and I broke it down to how much each room was making per hour, and that formula had to fit so I could stay in business. There's nothing worse that you can do is spend all this time and energy and, and buying equipment, educating yourself, going to school, coming out, getting a med spa, and then discounting the prices because you want to be either the lowest or one of the lowers. And then three months later, figure out you can't pay the bills now. You can't stay in business. Now you're out of business. Imagine if you had 50 patients at $50 or 100 patients, or I'm sorry, 25 patients at $100. It's the same amount of money. It's just a lot less work. Having more patients for, the, for less money is really not a great thing. No, because you're working twice as hard to make the same amount of money. And there's overhead and things and, you you know, consumables and things that go into this. No, I'm, I mean, I've been doing this for such a long time and I, I'm very, very blessed that my business is referral based. Um, 
because it it makes it very nice. I don't How did you get your business to be referral based? Would you say, <clears throat> bada bing, bada boom, now I'm referral based. I no longer no, want to do I this. No, I did. You know what? One, I never sold anything to anybody that I didn't think I had a really good shot of hitting the results that they wanted. Okay. Um, and even the people, what's interesting is I have had people that I've had to turn away because either the laser that I had at the time didn't fit their skin type. Um, or it wasn't the right time because they were on certain medications or there was something or it just wouldn't work for them or what they really needed was plastic surgery as opposed to one of my treatments. But what's interesting is when you turn people away um, and you give them the reason why you're turning away, that it's not going to fulfill their expectations, they will refer you people also Yeah, because you are honest. honest with them. Yeah, it's all about being on doing what's best for the patient. Yeah. And if, Safe, effective, profitable yeah, in that if, order. If I don't think that I got a really good fighting chance at hitting what they need, I'm not going to do it. So, I mean, my referral base, I've had one client that every year she referred like $35,000 worth of business to me. Now, when she would come into my spot, she got whatever she wanted for free, man. I mean, I did. I, I so just, that was the point I wanted to get to. You treat your people really well, but when they do start referring, you have a re reward program do. for them doing that. Yes, I have. And depending on, and here's the thing is, the one thing you don't want to do is, and I had these customers too, is they come in and like, I'm going to refer so many people to you. If you hear that at the front end, they're, they're working in your yeah, price. Okay? I am going to, I have so many friends. I'm going to refer so many people to you. And what I used to say to them, because they're looking for a discount, I wouldn't give them a discount. I said, you know what? That's awesome. I would hope that you would trust their care in my hands. When you refer somebody to me and they book a treatment and they get done with the treatment, they have to come in and book, pay for it. You're going to get X amount of dollars off your next treatment. Um, I'm not going to give you a discount on the front one because right. they're usually their their reach is usually much smaller than what they will tell you. Yeah. Um, just kind of like the the people who are really wealthy don't talk about how much money they have. Exactly. As people, to people that refer tend not to say they're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, they just do it, and and I get a lot of referrals. Also, I work with other businesses that um, I don't compete with. So my injector that I send people to, she doesn't do the services that I do, and I don't. Uh, inject. So it's a perfect marriage because I send all of my injections over to her because she's amazing. And she sends all of her laser work over to me. And I think you have another one of those with a gal that runs a men's spa that doesn't do laser work. No. So she does a lot of yeah. uh, aesthetics work. Yes. And so then, I so send got... her all the, the aesthetic stuff that I don't want to do. And she refers back to me. So I mean, the, the cross referrals are great, but I mean, my customers, I do a really good job for them. I take care of them. I make sure that they're happy. I take care of most of them. Are, I'm taking care of their entire families now. I mean, I've got people that I, I see five people in their family, their children, their their spouses, everybody. Um, you always do a consult, don't you? I always do a consult. So that's something that, that we're going to talk about later is the importance of spending time in the front end doing a consult, a proper consult. Yeah. We'll get into that. And, and, you know, I am not, I always tell people, I, I, one, my room runs on time. I don't make people wait. I think making people wait for an elective procedure is going to hurt your business. Yeah, so definitely. I always book enough time in my procedure if I've got a talker um, or if, you know, I don't want anybody to ever feel that they're rushed. But so you don't go back to back if you know you're, you're, you have the chance of running over. You'll put 10, 15 minutes between yes. appointments. You might lose an appointment out of that. But I have happier patients. But you have happier patients. Yeah. Nothing worse in an elected procedure than to run late. No. I'm going to tell you that. I, I know a practitioner that's very close to us who is constantly late. Please don't do that. That's the number one way to lose patients is just to not, to not respect their time. No. 
And I mean, it, it, it's expected in a doctor's office. It's still annoying in a doctor's office, but it's almost expected. Well, there's life and death things, and people are doing treatments that, you know, someone comes in with a broken tooth or a broken arm. But we're doing aesthetics here. All this stuff is elective for the most part. There shouldn't be. And if you go to a place that's constantly running behind, consider going somewhere else. That's well, what I would tell people. Well, because they're eventually they're going to get fed up with it. Um, but I spend a lot of time on the front end. And when I'm in my room, and I explain it to my clients, like the reason I do test busts in the room, I'm going to be like a carpenter. I'm going to measure twice and cut once. So once I get my settings dialed in for that particular person on that particular day on that particular procedure, once I get that dialed in, I'm very fast. But I need a couple of minutes on the front end because, again, I have to do a safe treatment. And when you're doing treatments a month apart or six weeks apart or two months apart, things can change. They can go on medications. They can get sun exposure. There's lots of things that can change. So in order to do a safe and effective treatment, I have to take more time. Now, since I charge more than some people, that's okay because I'm still making probably more money than they are because I'm charging more. But, you know, if I'm charging $500 for a procedure, I think they should get some of my time. I don't think it should be 15 minutes. That's true. You know, one of the fundamental things that separates an experienced operator, regardless of the modality, from an inexperienced operator is they both know how to do the treatment. But the experienced operator knows when to not do it. And that's what, you, in many cases, you're paying for is when to is that the patient needs to trust you that you know not to do the treatment mm -hmm. because you're looking out for them. The patient always wants the treatment, but knowing when to not do it is, is often the, the hard part that takes experience. And you usually find that out the hard way. Well, and that's the thing is, if I can find out ahead of time, like my patient who was in the sun and also used the self tanner, two biggest cardinal sins in in using a laser, um, finding out the day ahead of time was very helpful because she would have showed up. And then we would have gone through all the questions and then she would have used an hour of my time going through her questions that I could answer in a text message right. and just delay the yeah, treatment. Yeah, that's, that's part of the thing is collecting the proper information and asking the questions. You know, if you give yourself enough time that you can actually ask the questions and, and have them answered, if you again, a lot of these chains are running so tight that it's not that the tech wouldn't want to answer questions or ask questions and get the answers. They just don't have time. They don't. It's patient number seven, and they're already back five minutes. They're going to just bust through it, and that's how people get burned. Well, yeah. I mean, if you've got 15 minutes for a procedure, you have no time on the front end because that is the actual procedure time. If I do a Brazilian the actual procedure time is probably 10 to 15 minutes of actually lazing. It's the 20 minutes that's the rest. Do I have to ice them down? Do I have to let the test spot sit for a couple minutes? Did the test spots look too aggressive so now I have to do new test spots? There's a lot that goes into it. And again, if money is your only motivation, you're going to screw up. It's the you, wrong business to be in because there's is. too much risk. It is. And I mean, everybody needs to make money. You have to keep your lights on. I need to make money because um, these lights are expensive. But... It isn't my ultimate motivation. The bigger motivation is to have a happy client and that's going to then give me somebody else. To finish this point off, in many cases, the patients you have are, are, are much better to work and, and as a referral source or take care of them than the cost of acquiring new patients. Absolutely. So consider that. It's so much cheaper. And you also tend to get nicer people. Yep. You do. Yeah. If, if you liked, if people like people tend to hang out with like people for the most part, mm -hmm. I've had a few exceptions here and there, but if you like, really like the person, they tend to be, they tend, tend to send you people that, yeah, that are the same way. Because they're, they're friends. Yeah. Well, another interesting point is factoid is, is if you might, if you get a strange referral from someone you don't know, in many cases, that's a real dud that you didn't want. I've had that happen. Doctor called me out of the blue and said, you know, I've heard great things about you. Would you like to take care of this person's yeah, root canal? And I'm thinking to myself, 
No. Do what? No, in the beginning, I was like, yeah. And then you get here and it's like, you know, someone with like 20 medications. It's on a pacemaker, oxygen, and everything that could go wrong. And, and that's why they're there because the other patient didn't want them. The other doctor didn't want them. No, because so. they didn't want to take the lifeline. It's a lot of risk. Yeah. Um, and to end that one piece thing that you've said before that we keep saying is don't make someone else's problem your own. If someone does have uh, significant health issues, you don't have to treat them. You can just say, I don't feel comfortable treating. No. I mean, I've got people that's like, you know, I'm on chemotherapy right now, but I really want to get hair reduction. No. Your health is more important than this electric right, procedure. The, yeah, the, the hair can grow, but the cancer yeah. is something you I'm have pregnant, to figure I'm pregnant, but out. I want to do this. And yeah. I'm the person who's pregnant. And I'm like, I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm telling you not to do it. That is a contraindication simply because of the liability. It's not because there's any been any risk to any female in any stage of a pregnancy um, from light-based therapies, it's because you don't want them to have a problem with that child either after the birth or before the birth and then say, well, you lasered my hoo-ha. So obviously that's why I had miscarriage. That's an actual, you know, that, that's a point when you it's an absolute contraindication, regardless, never treat a pregnant person no. with any elective procedure, regardless of what they say. I'm serious about that because there's been several law lawsuits where they lost. The doctor lost every time, even if it was, they begged them to do it and they couldn't prove it. You know, it was like, I, one of the cases was like, uh, it was like hair reduction and the person and the child had Down syndrome. We know where Down syndrome comes from. It's a genetic disorder. They still lost the case. It's so just don't do it. Um, let's jump to regulating buys. What we're talking about is, is what things we have to check off before we can buy equipment. So there's some regulating bodies out there. Basically, certain equipment requires more inspections, more licensing. Uh, BOC for BOC procedures, ADHS for lasers. So we talked about this very briefly, but if you're going to run a, uh, a laser, obviously in the state of, of Arizona, the type of laser also matters too. When it comes down to things like supervision, um, if you're going to run a, an ablative laser, you have to have a certain um, licensure. licensure and a certain uh, a medical director if you don't have the right licensure to run that. Um, when we're talking about regulating bodies, you just want to make sure you check. If you're going to do uh, aesthetic procedures, make sure that you actually have an aesthetic license. We're talking just aesthetics now. Mm -hmm. And that the Board of Cosmetology has come in and inspected your facility. Is that right? Um, well, they're not necessarily going to come in at first, but you're going to have a salon license, which means they can come in and they inspect can it. They will. So be ready for it. Yes. If you're, not, if you're doing a procedure that's not covered by the Board of Cosmetology, you'd also have to... You say you have to put a sign up that says this is... You have is to post out, which means you put a sign saying that this procedure isn't under the guidance of the Board of Cosmetology. So once again, we talked about this earlier, but if you're opening up a med spa and you're trying to decide what things you want to do, what procedures you want to do, keep you need to keep track of what things are regulated by who. Mm -hmm. In some cases, it could be the Department of Health even. Like in California, I believe the Department of Health uh, no, like for regulates for tattoos, permanent makeup. Um, in this state, the Board of Cosmetology doesn't regulate microneedling, so you'd have to post out. Um, they, the, there's some regulations from the board of cosmetology with respect to lasers now. Yeah. So in, in, in the BOC, do you have to, re they require in their, um, aesthetic training 64, I think it's 64 hours of light-based therapy. That's basically theory. They're not using machines. The machine part is actually would be underneath 
the Arizona Department of Health Services, but then those 64 hours aren't going to count towards right. theirs unless that's an approved facility that's right. and an approved school. So what, so, we're, what we're saying is, is that the Board of Cosmetology has their own requirements for education under your aesthetics license, but to operate a laser, you also have those requirements, which yeah. in this case was the 88 Everybody hours. Everybody wants to pee on everything. Yeah, basically what it is. Um, let's talk about cutting edge technologies. Very, it's always kind of cool to have the latest thing, right? The problem with that is, is that if they haven't been proven to be safe, effective, and profitable, why don't we consider letting someone else make that costly mistake? Um, but at the same time, we don't want to wait too long to adopt a good technology. What's a good way that you look at new technologies? Well, I mean, so if we're talking about lasers, there's something that I teach, and it's, it's called an absorbent or absorption coefficient. Um, and what that is, is it shows different wavelengths of light when it absorbs into the body, what chromophores can it see? Um, and the different chromophores that lasers look at are um, melanin, so whether it's a pigmented lesion or a hair follicle, um, water, um, blood, tattoo ink. Okay, so those are the different chromophores. So years and years ago, it's probably like, I don't know, 12 years ago, I had somebody from, who was training with us from Michigan, said that uh, a rep that was selling a 1064 NDAG told him if they ran this laser over the breast, it would lift the breast an inch. <laughs> I'm like, okay, just call him bullshit. <laughs> That's all that is, is bullshit. Yeah. It's like, good surgeon, good bra, combination of the two is probably going to be the best option. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to get into my space. But if you actually looked at the absorption coefficient of a 1064, there's no way it could happen. So understanding what wavelengths of light absorb into what chromophores is going to make you make better decisions. So if you say that this 810 diode is going to be doing leg veins, so then it's like, okay, well, it sees blood a little bit, but not enough to really absorb well into it. So understanding what a laser can actually see is going to help you understand what a laser can actually do. Hey, you know, one of the problems that we see out there is that having a device FDA cleared in some cases, it means it's safe, but it doesn't always effective. That's something we've seen or a lot of. Or sometimes it's not always safe. I, I don't know how this one laser company got their diode laser approved for leg veins because it is actually FDA cleared for leg veins. And I don't know how they did it because it's a horrible idea. So well, sometimes say, just seeing having the clearance doesn't mean yeah, it doesn't it's, mean a it's good safe. Idea. But we've also seen some things that were actually cleared for skin type six, but the settings were so low well, there was no efficacy, no efficacy either. So that's a problem. Okay, so great, you didn't you didn't burn them, but you did actually didn't, didn't remove any hair. So then they never come back. So that so now we violated the whole profitable part and yes. effective part, right? Yes. Um, we're talking about it doesn't necessarily mean lasers though, new cutting edge technologies. What we're looking for is, does it have a mechanism of action? What that means is that, is there a scientific principle that describes how it works? You need to know that so you know how it works, but you also need to know so you can explain it to your patient. Oh, it magically caresses the skin and causes it to get th uh, thicker, plumper, fuller, and tighter. That's not a mechanism of now action. Deep how does it do it? Things like um, it denatures the collagen, shortening the fibers. That's a good mechanism of action. That makes sense. Um, I've, we've watched some reps. We have a great time with this. This is like, you know, some of the funnest things we can go to these shows and watch certain reps demonstrate equipment on people. Well, the cold gun person, I can't remember the name of the gun, who cares? Oh, but gun. they were basically putting it over someone's skin and go, look at all that collagen we're building. 
as it's going over. Yeah. Hopefully, we all know that collagen isn't built like on site. It takes three days for it to actually keep going, right? So you have to have a mechanism of action. But also, you, you can look at the research things like ASLMS or Google Scholar. Is there any studies out there to show that this stuff is, is safe and effective? Um, I know we've picked a lot on plasma fibro pen type of thing. But again, there's no studies that we can show or find that show that it's safe or effective. We, we can't just guess. And one of the things that goes wrong is, is we're licensed clinicians, um, doctor level, nurse level. We take oaths to do no harm first. That's the first thing. First, do no harm. Everything else follows after that. We can't experiment on patients with technology that we don't know if it's safe or effective, or we set ourselves up for liability. It's unethical to do this. Well, it's, it, people ask me regarding, um, you know, microneedling microtherapy devices about for tattoo removal. And what I tell them is like, until somebody shows me a safe and effective product to push into the skin that's going to help dissolve that ink. I'm staying away from it. Yeah, because we've seen effective products, right? We've seen, uh, well, they've put uh, glycolic acid in it, but what but they, happened? They, they, they ended up, so I had a student who had a huge, um, like a sun tattoo in between her breasts, and her permanent makeup instructor at aesthetic school decided to inject it with glycolic acid, which it did take the ink out and left her with a keloid scar in the exact same shape as the tattoo. So you've replaced a tattoo with a scar, with a scar. which you're not getting rid of. No, and that was, I mean, keloid scars, if you've ever had one, they itch, they burn, they're uncomfortable. Um, so they traded some ink. It's like, again, don't take somebody's problem, make it your own. They, nobody has shown me a, a product that you can safely Put into the skin to dissolve the ink. I'm hoping that there is someday because it will be a great use of it. But I'm not the first one to jump on a bandwagon. I honestly let other people <laughs> make those mistakes, and then I look at what happens before. I'm I'm not usually one of the first adopters. We want technology that's ready to go for mainstream. We don't want bleeding edge experimental technology. Unless you're a researcher, an experimenter working in an IRB, I tend to be that person. I'm the one who's doing all the experimenting and researching and development of new but devices. It's under an IRB. But it's under an actually controlled experiment where I actually have permission from the, a board to experiment on patients. And they know, they have a consent form 15 pages long that says, here's insurance. all the risks, here's all the things, and we have special insurance. That's a total, that's doing, but that's for research. That's so I can develop devices that are the next generation of devices. If you're trying to open a med spa, the last thing you want to do is have a device that's not been ready for mainstream stream that hasn't been proven to be safe, effective, or profitable. Because otherwise, you're experimenting on patients. You're also, you may or may not be making any money. And if you injure somebody, you just took any concept of profit and took it away because you'll probably go out of business if you get sued. It's a big deal. More to think about before pulling the trigger on equipment. <laughs> How about the price of the equipment and the price of financing? Um, if I were to buy an IPL, do they all rate around the same price? No. They're all over the place, right? Depending, the on the place, depending on the manufacturer. So the more you spend, the better the equipment is, right? Not necessarily. Okay. So what are we looking for? We're looking at the price of equipment. What are some of this, the basic things that you have to, to, to check off before you can even justify any price for paying any money, amount of money for it? And what's the price? I well, like it's like IPL. Does it have a cooling system? 
Um, oh, you talk about what features? Yeah, what features okay. that you would just have to have regardless of price? Well, the first thing that I look on in any type of IPL or, or laser is cooling system because one, the cooling system is what's protecting the epidermis as the light's going in. Um, two, it's what's going to make the patient more comfortable. Um, so if you've got a machine that I call really hot and spicy, that's not going to be as comfortable for the patient, which means they're probably not going to refer you as many people because it hurts or they're not going to want to come back. That's a big, excellent point. Getting back to 1064, you could just say to yourself, well, I'm going to save money and buy 1064 to do my hair reduction. The problem is, is if you have a bunch of skin types, ones and twos and threes, and they're, and it hurts. They're not going to. They're they're a going to be more reluctant themselves to do it, and and to refer you had unless you used a different technology that was much less painful. That's why it's important to pay attention to this stuff. Well, my, the first doc that I worked for had a ten sixty one Yeah, it's the first laser that I played with, um, and he lives in Scottsdale, and most of the skin types here are one, two, and three. He didn't know what he was doing. Sorry, um, sorry doc. He didn't know what he was doing when he bought the machine, quite frankly. So I had to one numb everybody up. I mean, I could not get away with not numbing. And it was like, so I call hairy feet hobbit toes, hobbit feet, because hobbits have hairy feet. I have that. So he does. Um, <laughs> so I did my hairy little hobbit toes myself <clears throat> two times in two years. Why? Because it was like taking a hammer to my toe. It hurt so bad. Okay. If he had a different skin type, that'd be a great laser. But where we were, I either had to numb everybody up, which is an additional expense and a lot of time. Or they had to sit through the pain. And the week before, like a female's period is the most painful time because they're more hormonal. If it ended up being then, I had to reschedule them. So it wasn't a great device for me to work with on the skin types that I was working on because it just hurt so bad that people didn't want to refer people to me and they didn't want to come back themselves. So, you know, picking the proper machine with the proper cooling system and this machine, you had, had a cooling system where it was like a horseshoe, and then the light came through it. Um, now that same manufacturer has a cooling sapphire tip, which is better because you'd have to learn how to flick your wrist back and forth, or you'd have to run it the right way to get the cooling, and you had to choose between cooling before or cooling after. So you're saying don't <clears throat> skip on cooling. That's number one. That's number one. That's the first thing I look at on machines. Okay. And if it's an IPL device, is the crystal cooled from just the back, or is it wrapped in metal. I see. So then it's cooling from all around. Yes. And not all devices need cooling though, right? There's like RF microlink that doesn't need cooling. That doesn't need cooling. So you Tattoo even... lasers aren't going to have cooling. Okay. Um, there's but certain devices that, that require that. Yes. IPL. Any type of hair reduction or IPL is going to have to have cooling. Okay. So when we're looking at price of equipment. We, we've kind of established that we don't want to skip on cooling. What's another main feature that you look at just from deciding if, if something's worth any amount of money? Consumables. All right, exactly. Consumables. What does that mean? Um, well, some lasers out there have um, consumables that you have to buy, so it increases the cost. So what is procedure. a consumable? It's something that you put on the, the laser disposable, that, right? that you're going to use for that treatment, and then you're going to throw use it away. Use it one time. You buy it. You use it one time, and then you throw it away. Yes, or sometimes it'll be good for X amount of pulses. And then it runs out. Yes. So like cool sculpting has a card that card you that have to in put it. in, and then that card's only good for so much, and you have to buy another <laughs> card. Yes. Um, microneedling, they all require a new tip every time. Yes. Um, some lasers some, require... Um, Cryogen, so you have to get cans of cryogen, which is what's providing the cooling. And then there's some different tips too that go off of like uh, some different devices that you have to replace the tip very, very quickly. Are you talking about with like the E Matrix? Yeah. Yeah, so E Matrix is RF um, 
a treatment, but is the tip and I used to love because you'd only get like 200 pulses or 50 pulses or whatever the number is. And then you get, you have to keep watching it and you get to like, you have five, 10 left and you go, okay, what's your area of concern? Cause I got to hit that one. So you wouldn't be able to do a whole face unless you broke out a new tip. So understanding what the consumable costs that go per procedure, and that's going to increase your costs is important. Just like buying a car, um, when you buy a piece of equipment and you finance it, you really need to pay attention to what your interest rate and what that costs well, you. Well, and if it's getting padded, I mean, there's a lot of companies out there that are throwing extra points in there yep. for the, the manufacturer. So what is that going to cost you? And what is it going to cost you over the light, lifetime of that lease? That's the important thing. Look at that paper. Do the numbers on that because unlike uh, you know, like a home loan where you can get like prime <laughs> interest rates or a car loan where if you have really good credit, it seems to me, based on my own experience and talking with others, that even if you have really good credit, the interest rates for this equipment is still higher because there's more risk to the company uh, to lend. Yes. So, I mean, you just have to look at the, the whole picture. I mean, this is where you get your emotions of it's a bright new shiny thing completely away from making a business decision and and understanding how much are you paying for it and are you going to be better off going through your own financing or going through their financing right. um, sometimes one's quicker and easier with less paperwork but some, usually the other way is a little bit cheaper yeah and some companies have in-house financing some companies outsource it but just know i mean back when i came out of college i sold fax machines it was very common to pad that lease with more money that actually the end user had to pay but we got points on it now we haven't we don't have this on our list to talk about but let's talk about it quickly lease versus purchase it seems like almost all the way the way that lasers are being sold right now or that equipment is being done through a lease because it's just like leasing a car it's cheaper okay but at the end of the lease who owns it well isn't it you pay, pay a dollar and you get you some of them the have a dollar buyout some okay. of them have a fair market value but you don't know what that is until it gets so done. that's something you want to pay attention to then yes. is are you actually is it a true purchase contract or is it a lease contract and what are the terms of the lease yeah i mean when we purchased our machines we did financing on one and another one we did in-house financing and it was just a really large payment for a year every single month yeah it was a lot it was that. a lot it's like 4800 a month yep um one thing to keep in mind that's an one that it seems like that the laser salespeople never talk about is does the equipment require electrical upgrades to your room? No, and the reason they don't want to say anything about it is because again, it's not sexy to say, "Hey, give me one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars." And oh wait, you have to change and put a two twenty in your room because although I brought a two twenty adapter to go into your one ten, that's only going to work for a demonstration. It's not going to work for real. Right. Or so, you need or you need twenty amp service yeah. instead of fifteen amp. So, you got to hire an electrician to get that done. That needs to be asked. Yeah, well, what I would do is I would actually see what it's being plugged into in your room. Is it they're going directly from the machine into your wall, or is there an adapter or a converter in between the wall outlet? And I actually look at the the outlet yeah. and look at the plug to see exactly is it going to fit in there. And well, you can also straight up ask them what is the amp service? Is this yeah. one ten or, or two twenty? Yeah, and if. If it is something that you need to change the electrical, it's not the end of the world. No. You just need to know what the costs are involved before you do it. And you and you want to make and sure that if, you, can if you you're get done, and can you get it right? If you're if, if you're in one of these beauty malls, you're going to have to talk to somebody about it. Okay, especially if it's a two twenty. Right. In some cases, you check your lease if you're even allowed to do that if where you're at. So keep in mind, it's just an extra expense. It can be as, as inexpensive as four four or five hundred bucks, as much as. I've seen as high as seven, eight grand, depending on what they, how far they have to run the service and things like that. You'd want to definitely use a licensed contractor because if you mess up someone else's building, it's a bad deal. Yeah. Um, 
Some lasers get hot and shut down in warm rooms. Does that happen a lot? All the time. Yeah, so that's uh, a thing that's never talked about. Uh, it's about 78 degrees, quite honestly. So in my first office, I had a room that would overheat. And the only way to cool the room down is to open the door. Well, the problem is, is you got a naked person covered with gel on your bed. And so in order to open the door, you got to get the gel off. you got to get them back, closed back on. And it takes about 30 to 45 minutes to close or to cool that room down, which means now you're backing up your day. The options that you have is one, have a laser that doesn't displace a lot of heat um, or have a thermostat that regulates your room. <coughs> just Excuse your room me, instead of the room. whole building. Yeah, because even here, my, you know, my room doesn't have its own outlet and our own thermostat. <laughs> I know. So I take my temperature it's down. It's like 70 degrees in here. I know that sounds pretty warm, but it's actually freaking freezing. It is. And I think she's running late. Everyone's got here. sweaters on. It's August. And plus the power bill, it costs more money. Um, and we don't even have machines that put out a lot of heat. Yeah. I'm not going to pick on particular brands, but just give me one or two from your own experience. Not that there's anything wrong, but, but there's there's certain machines out there that really put out a lot of heat that you've had issues with. Candela. Candela's, yeah. It, it, they're, they're, the machines are buses. They're huge, but they throw out a lot of heat. Um, those are ones, uh, some of the Sinusure equipment. Um, some of the, Fluminous uh, doesn't do that much. Um Candela is probably worse than Sinusure, and then you've got some tattoo lasers um, that throw out a lot of heat. So it's really going to depend on the laser. And then also the size of the room, size doesn't matter. The smaller the room, the more heat it's going to retain. So, I mean, you could put in a an auxiliary um, uh, air conditioning unit. We used to do that at National. Right. Um, you can have fans, but fans just tend to move yeah, air around. Yeah, they don't tend to cool it. They just move they it just around. They just move it around. Yep. Um, but you can't have it up against the wall. So there's a lot of machines that um, don't put out a lot of heat, but there's a few machines that do. So just know that if you don't have an individual thermostat or an air conditioning unit in the room, you're going to have to drop the temperature of your spa down. Um, so buy some blankets because everybody else is going to get cold. I so, look at them when they, when they complain to me and they complained to me yesterday about it. And I said, I don't care. Put on some clothes. I can't get naked in there, um, and it'll shut my machine down. So just know that the machine has to, the room has to be cool enough. And to keep it under 78 degrees, you have to take it down to usually 69 to 70 degrees. So you do have a pretty decent uh, knowledge because you've worked with so many machines and what some of the machines that do this, right? So if a, if a listener or viewer has a question, they can call you and get, just get a quick sense of that. Yeah. And uh, it, the reason it's important to know is you don't want to get in the treatment, have your room overheat, shut your laser down, and not your host. Gotcha. So if they want to call you, it's one eight three 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 laser three. You tell awesome. my favorite number. That is her favorite number. <laughs> um, you know, one of the interesting things I was working with a laser manufacturer on developing a machine with them and discussing about how certain types of technologies work on the inside, whether how long they have to keep running to warm up to be able to use it, and how much energy that uses. Um, well, not only energy, time. Time. So give me, give us an example of something that you know oh, about on that. Some of the, the Q-switch lasers, um, which are what we use for tattoo removal, even the melasma and some other things, um, can take up to 20 minutes to, it's not so much cooling down, it's more of ramping up the energy in the optical cavity in order to be able to fire it. So the problem that you have is tattoo removal is super fast. I mean, you could put five, six patients, depending on seven patients in an hour, depending on the size of the tattoo. So 
you, you can't turn the machine off in between patients because it takes 20 minutes to get it back to firing it. status, which means you can never turn it off. So you have to keep it running for eight hours unless you, you know, leave at lunch. You can't turn it off. So it's and running you, that whole time. It's running the entire so time. That means it's not going to last as long because it's constantly running. All it's the constantly time. running, but you're also you're going to increase on your electrical bills, gotcha. and you're going to increase on the heat. I mean, turning the laser off is one of the ways to cool your room down. Um, and also, there's it makes white noise, and this white noise. Um, I don't know if everybody else is like this, but I can't stand like white noise. Like bathroom fans make me crazy. The white noise from lasers make me crazy, so I need to be able to turn my machines off. So you don't use a bathroom fan, is what you're saying? <laughs> Not if I don't have to. <laughs> um, now, getting to this Q switch, you, there's quite a few Q switches that have that issue. You you carry a Q switch that doesn't have that issue. Correct. It's called a Mediac. And what what's good good about that particular one? Because it's you turn it on, and in about thirty seconds, it's ready to go. Okay. So I can turn it back off. And then turn it back on to the next patient. How does that particular machine compare to other machines price-wise? It's less expensive. Okay. And do you feel like it's a decent machine? It's a great machine. Okay. So even though you sell the machine, even if you didn't sell the machine, you consider this to be a pretty decent machine it's a great for what machine. it does. Okay. Yeah. So this is the Medi Yag from yeah. Medi Creations. That's a that's a machine that you're selling. For some of the reasons that we just talked about, it doesn't take forever to warm up. It's uh, plugs a, into a one ten. Plugs into a one ten, and it it basically is is fairly uh, has. A, good MSRP. It's not particularly expensive. No. What's the warranty like on that on your lines of devices? Um, it depends. If you're buying a one device, it's going to be the standard, which is a year. Can you but get can you get longer warranty? You can. Okay. Um, and if you buy three devices, it goes to five years for all the devices. That's pretty standard in the industry, right? That's no. There's nobody else does that. Okay, so you're the only the only company that's doing yeah, that. No, that nobody warranty. else does it because warranties are generated or revenue generators for laser companies. Well, that's what I'm. What about the cost of service? Because your device is made in Las Vegas, right? Yes. So the cost of service is is going to be less, right? Yes. So that's what we want to get into is this notion of what does it cost to service it? What are the parts costs? What are the warranty? And what kind of downtime you have when it needs to be serviced? What's the normal thing that happens from some of your devices that you've had to live with? Something goes down. How long does it take to get back? How long? How much is a warranty? Well, so here's the thing: is you've got a warranty. A standard warranty is one year. Um, and I swear to God, back when I was at National Laser, we had a luminous light shirt, and it was a great device. And the little silver tip that is like it looks like a ring, but it's a square. Um, looks like an Asher cut ring without the middle, and that went around the tip, and it fell off. Like it just fell off. And I called them up and I had to, so they're in Boston, we're in Arizona. So at the time we were a three hour difference. So I call them at like four o'clock, which is seven o'clock their time and they're closed. So I call them back the next day and they tell me my warranty ran out the day before, like wow. the day that it broke. And I about lost my shit. Like, are you kidding me? Like it, it literally fell off. Well, they were, they were actually good. They replaced it. What was interesting is to glue that little sucker on that looked like a little ring that fits your pinky would have been $5,000 to glue wow. it on. To glue on a metal ring? Yes. That's ridiculous. It was, I was like. How long were you guys down? Did you have to depot ship? Um, How does that work? So you have a couple of things. One, you can do a depot ship means you, you send your device in. Did they give you a loaner? Um, we got a loaner, but it was like a week later. So you guys were down for a week without yes. that machine? Yes. Wow. Um, then there is, um, uh, if it's not depot shipping, then they can come to your place. Okay. Okay. So now you have to pay travel time 
um, and get them over to your place. And depending on how many techs they have in the country and what else they're doing, you may be put into a queue. Okay. So, Which do you like better? I honestly, with my devices, so as long as it's under warranty, depot shipping is really great. Well, you, you don't do de depot shipping with, with your no. devices. You guys send a tech out. A tech comes out. Because shipping is super expensive. That's what I was saying. If you're under warranty, depot shipping is great because it's usually FedEx and they can ship it out in the next day and bring it back. Got it. But if you don't have the warranty, the shipping itself is astronomical. And packing these lasers up, I mean, we've packed a laser up and sent off for shipping and the, the company crushed the screen. Yeah, yeah. So we sent it in for one problem and we ended up with two problems because it cracked the whole screen yeah, we didn't on get it. Reimbursed we didn't get reimbursed either, for that. Even though no. we could have proven it, it wouldn't matter that the no. shipper didn't didn't take the hit no. on that. No. So so but so with with what you're do your guys are doing over at Medic Creations, you guys have a tech that comes out. Yes, and it's very easy because I mean we're in they're in Las Vegas and we're in Arizona. Right. So it's a car right away. It's it's pretty easy. Okay. Um, or well, the nice thing is they can usually do um, like some software enhancements where they can see what's wrong with it. Right, right over the phone. Yeah. Okay. And then they cool. bring the part out so you get up and running. Because here's the thing: it's like when your laser's down, you're you can't work. So you're you're out money, and you have to reschedule all of those people. Let's talk specifically about warranties. When you when you're getting you're going to open a med spa, you're going to buy some equipment, and you have some warranty options there. And then in the future, what do you need to be concerned about? How I mean, let's talk about the pricing of warranty. How it works? Is there a good warranty, a bad warranty, better ways to look at it? What should they be thinking about when they're discussing oh, warranties? Warranties are revenue generators for laser companies. They're betting that you're not going to have a problem. Okay. okay. And warranties are incredibly expensive, anywhere between seven and fifteen thousand dollars a year. Per year. Okay. Per year. So if you look at it, if you're at twelve thousand dollars a year for a warranty, that's a thousand dollar payment a month that for a warranty. And the first people that I worked for actually took a percentage of my commission away that they say was a warranty fee. So, so you had to pay the warranty. I yourself. had to pay the warranty for wow. their laser. And the way they explain is like, well you can't work without the laser. So you have to pay for the warranty. And it's right. like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that was super fun. Um, and, but and warranties are expensive, and so it's it's a lot of people don't keep warranties on the machine. They bet against the house that the machine but is not going you've to work. Been, you've been in that situation before, absolutely. I don't then, have warranties on some. But of then, machines. what happens when it goes wrong? Something's expensive. Now, your company will warranty other people's products. Yes. Not all of them, but Not some of them. them. So that's kind of them. nice. But the big thing that I was thinking about when it comes to warranties is if they're between seven dollars and $15,000, right, per mm -hmm. year, if you you guys are selling machines that if they buy three, they get a five-year warranty on all the machines, mm -hmm. that's a lot of money if you think about it. It's basically that. a machine. It's, it's, it's you know, it's let's say it's $10,000 for five years, $50,000. Per machine. Per machine. And you're saying you get five years on all three of them. Yes. So that's $150,000 savings by just giving that warranty. Well, there's a reason that laser reps want to sell you a warranty at the beginning when you buy the machine because the salesperson is compensated on the warranty. Right. And the laser company makes more money. And you can roll it into the payment. And you can roll in the payment, which increases the amount of interest that that's you're right. paying. Yeah, you're actually paying your even payment. more for it. So yeah. you're paying interest on your warranty which makes no sense because the first year is covered by the factory warranty so you're paying interest on a warranty for a year you're not even using exactly so the warranty i mean if if you they like said with with many creations they're actually warranting a lot of the other devices out there not all of them because some of them it's too hard to get parts for 
uh, but they can offer This is its own issue. Yes, but they can offer a warranty, which is less expensive than the actual original equipment manufacturer warranty. Now, we've talked a little bit about recertification fees. We'll get into that in a while. But there are some devices out there that if you you, uh, don't buy the warranty and something goes wrong, it's astronomically expensive. Well, yeah, because then they want to do an inspection. So you got to pay for the inspection. Okay. And then, so this is how it works. So, and this happened with one of my devices from Alma. So the device had a problem. So it wasn't under warranty. So they wanted me to ship the device to Chicago, which I had to pay for the shipping, and then pay for an inspection that was like two grand to determine what was wrong with it, pay for the repairs, and then I could put it under warranty. I see. So you have to have it reinspected. If you let your warranty lapse, you have to have it reinspected. You have to pay to get reinspected. Before they'll give you another warranty. And then if and anything happens in that interim time, you're going to pay for that. Yeah. It was pretty expensive. I remember the part was super expensive. There's some companies out there that have really expensive parts as well. And what's interesting is like some companies you can buy, you can have a little bit easier access to parts. But there's a company like Cyton. Cyton's hard well, to get I, I do like their machines. I'm not going to say it, they don't. It's a great machine. But if something goes wrong with one of those machines, you're not under warranty. Your host. It's really expensive. And you can't get the parts from anywhere no. but them. And in some cases, if you, don't, if you didn't buy the machine from them, if you somehow got one used, which would be a huge mistake on a Cyton, you won't even be able to buy a part from them. No. And also then if you advertise that you're using it, they'll probably try to sue you. Um, yeah, that's that, that's its own thing, which we're talking about in a research piece. Um, downtime, not all laser warranties are created equal on how fast they're going to give you one and whether or not they're going to give you a loaner, right? Yes. If, if you are, if you are, usually it has to be built into the original sales agreement. So what, what would, be, what would it say? That, you know, in case of repair, uh, you will get a loaner during the time. So that'd be something there. you'd want to ask for, right? <coughs> okay. Um, now, again, we're, we're talking about all the things you want to think about before you buy a piece of equipment. What about requiring additional components or hand pieces? So you bought yourself an, uh, a, a um, platform type of device, and now you decide you want to do fractional lasers, and you paid 15000 for your, your hand piece for your uh, hair reduction, and then you find out your hand piece for fractional is 65000 mm-hmm. So when you're considering when you buy a device, in some cases people overpurchase. They buy a bunch of hand pieces that they, they don't even know if they're going to use. In other cases, they don't buy enough. So how, what's, what's good advice on, on determining, for when it comes out, components and hand pieces, what, they're going to, what, what procedures are going to do should dictate what hand pieces they're yes. going to buy? Yes. So what procedures you can do and your skin types of your demographics will support will determine what you should buy. And also, like if we're talking about like saying fractional hand pieces, you got a $65,000 hand piece. That's something to think about. Are you going to be doing that many fractional treatments to even pay the hand piece off? Well, and the, the hand piece, that $65,000 hand piece is sitting on a $100,000 machine. So it's not just 65000 You have to add the machine in because the hand piece without the machine is worthless. So how much are you going to, or how many of those procedures do you need to do to cover the cost of that hand piece? So if you're going to buy additional hand pieces, you certainly need to look at like um, a Palomar Icon. I think they're 1064 YAG for leg veins. I think it's like twenty five dollars or $30,000. So how much are the procedures that you can do with it, what the income that it's going to generate? How many of those do you have to do divided out by that hand piece um, price? And that's going to give you um, how many treatments you actually need to do overall, which usually 
is like, I don't know what we were figuring out the other day. We had dinner. I can't remember. And like how many treatments you had to do. It was like 2,000. Well, I have a yeah, just figure coming up. It was a lot of treatments. And it's like, okay, that's years worth of work, which, okay. If something's going to take you five years to hit your ROI, now you've got to figure in if you've got a device that only has a one-year warranty. Now you've got to throw in four more years of warranty that's going that's to right. increase just to be able to pay off. Just, but it, but you're not even going to pay it off because you've got the, the this five years, so now you're outstretched ten years. Are you going to be doing this in ten years? Or are you going to be replacing with newer technology? That's right. So there's a lot of things that go into it, and and truly, the just like I say with my patients, and and I'm going to you know measure twice, cut once. This is all the measure twice part. You need to figure out what the actual numbers are and you need to do it without a salesperson sitting in front of you because you don't want the excitement and all the, the glitter and the sizzle and then be left with something that you can't sell. I think the point I'm trying to make with this notion of figuring out what additional components are necessary is a lot of times that devices are advertised like a, well, a platform device. And the price on it, it's the platform. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily include all or the hand it'll, it'll pieces. Right. Um, one thing that you guys do over at MediCreations, my understanding is, is that you guys are all in. Whatever your guys' price is, that's including all the hand pieces, all I'm the training, all the things for that device. Yeah. So there is no like, oh, you wanted to do this? That's another 65000 Whatever you guys advertise the price is, that's whatever optional components that come with it, are, that's yes. included with that. Yeah. That's a good thing. At least you know what you're paying for. You're not going to find out, oh, I thought I was going to do fraction. Oh, no, that's another 65000 You were going to do that. So you need to know that when you're asking about the equipment. Does it have all the hand bases to do the things that you want to do? Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about insurance. Thanks for listening to the Evidence-Based Aesthetics Podcast with your hosts, Kristen and Dr. Larry Group. For more discussion and information on all things aesthetic, be sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on our Instagram page. We look forward to sharing the next exciting episode of the Evidence-Based Aesthetics Podcast.